Welcome to Entrepreneur's Podcast. I'm Daniel the Retailer. And today, Kareem talks to somebody who has over a half million views per video on YouTube. No, it's not that favorite YouTube influencer you're thinking. It's actually Brian Goulet of Goulet Pens. Brian and Rachel started Goulet Pens out of their passion for fountain pens and the incredible, beautiful art of handwritten notes, letters, and other text. Kareem talks to him about the business, where it came from, where it's going, and a little bit about how you get 500,000 views on YouTube. And if you like this podcast, maybe you should support us. Check us out on patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com, slash entrepreneurs podcast. You can support us for a buck a month. We'll even send you exclusive content, even some stickers. Who doesn't love stickers? You know who loves stickers? Brian Goulet. Kareem likes them too. Check out the interview. Hey, everybody. It's uh, Kareem from Entrepreneurs Podcast. Today we have a special guest. We have Brian Goulet of Goulet Pens. Brian, how are you today? I'm doing great, Kareem. Thanks so much for having me on. Hey, no problem. I'm a big fan. Let's see here. So Goulet Pens, let's let's start off with a little bit. Tell me a little bit about your background. How did you get into pens? Well, it's funny. I actually kind of started the business first, and then I got into pens. Um, <laughs> I actually, I actually started out as a woodworker. So I was looking for ways to kind of hone my craft, and just a way to really start it off as a hobby. Um, so I, I stumbled upon making pens because at the time I was, you know, I was newly graduated from college. I had, um, you know, gotten married. My wife and I were living in an apartment, and we had a small covered balcony, and I couldn't make, you know, big you know, furniture pieces or anything like that. So I had to choose something that was small enough and quiet enough to do or wouldn't disrupt all my neighbors. So (laughs) turning small pens on a lathe was uh, something that I could feasibly do. And it was great. I enjoyed it. I made, you know, several pens on my first day of turning. And uh, as it turns out, that was more pens than I needed personally. And I gave it to all (laughs) my family and friends and uh, pretty much saturated my local little pen world. So I decided that if I was going to continue to do this hobby, I was going to have to sell pens uh, in order to continue funding it and, you know, having something to do with all these pens. So I did that for a couple of years. You know, I I started out, um, you know, doing gift pens into like the kind of the corporate crowd engrave them and give them out as Christmas gifts, you know, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, I did that for several years. Um, But this was in like the 2008, 2009 timeframe. A lot of companies were retracting because of the economy and whatnot. And uh, my market just kind of dried up for corporate gift pens. Sure. So I was re- I was really searching around for just ways that I could basically find a market for handmade pens. And uh, it was through that that I discovered that there was a local uh, pen show, a fountain pen show in Washington, D.C. I'm not too far from that area. And uh, I went to that show just kind of on a whim and found that there were just thousands of people there that were totally geeking out about fountain <laughs> pens. And I was like, well, you know, after trying to chase after, you know, corporate gift people and stuff like that and the market drying up, I was like, well, here's all these people that are really into these fountain pens. There must be something here. So I started to explore that and I looked at forums online and blogs and I just started to learn about it and became completely infatuated with them myself. And then I found that they were very underserved in the online community. There are a lot of fountain pen stores that were brick and mortar stores that have been around in New York City and Washington, D.C. and Chicago and stuff like that for you know, decades, but there were not a lot of people that were translating well to online, especially newer people like me who didn't grow up using them, 
you know, having an education towards them. So it's like, if I want to learn how to use a fountain pen, I don't really know how they work. I don't really know how to fill them or clean them or what you need to get started. So I just saw that there was this opportunity out there that no one was really focusing on the education piece for new people. And it just kind of clicked in my head. Well, I don't really know much about fountain pens, but since no one else is putting this information out there, if I learn it and then put out there what I'm learning, I'll automatically be like one of the best fountain pen educators out there. And, <laughs> that, and that's what I started doing. That was about, uh, you know, about seven and a half years ago, I started doing that. And I've just, I've continued to do that ever since as I learn things, I put it out there and, you know, you do that long enough and all of a sudden you become an authority in the, in the community. Right, right. Yeah, our, you know, um, a lot of times our, our show, of course, entrepreneurs, we focus on the, the, the nerds of the entrepreneurial world. And most of the, most of the time, it's, it's more focused on um, more of an entrepreneur than a nerd. But I, I think you're a great example of, of uh, that mix. And I use that, of course, in a positive light. You know, um, I, I personally found your, um, I found your business through your YouTube channel, which um, brings me to my point. You're an entrepreneur, but you're also a YouTuber. You're a pen critic. You do reviews, and um, you know one of one of my favorite videos is uh, that uh, sort of Top Gunny uh, montage of uh, taking the pen apart and putting it back together. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, maybe man. maybe a little bit of comedy in there too. Um, Absolutely. So I found your um, your company through YouTube, uh, the the top five fountain pens for beginners, and uh, yeah. you know started watching the videos. Um, over the years and eventually of course you know the goal is of any uh, YouTube channels it leads traffic to your business so of course I ended up going to um, Goulet pens and my, I, I remember my first purchase it was the Liberty's Elysium uh, noodlers ink check it out guys nice. that's my yeah, favorite yeah. blue ink um, but here's what brought me back so I make an order just as you would from any business and mm -hmm. It comes it, it comes in um, in the mail and there's a handwritten note and and a bunch of swag you know like bookmarks stickers a bunch of cool stuff but there's a handwritten note um, addressed to me hoping I please enjoy you know we hope you enjoy your new ink by the way I used this pen and this ink to write you this note mm -hmm. now is this something that you saw somewhere that you like is, is that level of customer service is that something you guys saw someone doing or is that something that just developed organically it's something that kind of developed organically i mean uh the idea of doing a handwritten note obviously is not something that's brand new in fact it's mm -hmm. a rather it's a rather old right. uh, way of just saying thanks but i think in terms of doing it for a business especially a online retailing business it was something that we hadn't really seen done before but um you know, if you look at where we are now, we have, you know, 41 people in our company. And, uh, you know, to do it at that scale uh, is a bit daunting to think about, you know, what it takes to make that happen logistically and just time-wise of handwriting notes like that. But it wasn't that hard of a decision back in the day because my wife and I started this company from nothing. And we didn't have a large customer base. We didn't have, 
you know, any money really, all we had was time. Uh, and so when it came time, we got a customer that gave us an order and we just said, Oh my gosh, you know, if we could do anything to try to gain their loyalty and get them to come back and see that we're doing something different, you know, that's going to be worth doing. And the handwritten note, I mean, I used to do a much more elaborate version. I used to do a, a full half sheet of re like really high quality paper. I would do a full handwritten note and do a, a wax seal on it as well. That's what I did in the early days. Logistically, that's a nightmare and impossible to do now. But, you know, I've had to scale it back to be realistic. But, um, you know, that was what we figured is, you know, if we make it a personal touch, a personal kind of presentation, almost like you're sending a gift to a friend. That's kind of how we wanted that feel to happen. And, uh, you know, as we so literally from day one, we've been doing that every order that's come in. We do a handwritten note along with the order to our customers. And I think, you know, in any business, that would be a cool little touch, but especially because we're in the writing business. Right, right. It just it really makes a lot of sense, and it you know it's it's always well received. You get to see different ink that gets used in different people's handwriting, um, and as we've grown, what's been really cool, you know, it's not just me and my wife anymore. Mm -hmm. I mentioned we have a large team now, um, but it helps our team to be intimately familiar with the products that they're talking about, that they're giving advice to customers about, and they get to experience different inks, different pens, and things like that. So, doing the handwritten note as part of it not only is it a benefit to our customers, but for us being in the writing business, mm -hmm. our team is getting to experience a lot of the very products. And then when they are talking to customers about them, they're speaking from firsthand experience. They are giving their own personal recommendations about things they like, things they enjoy. They talk as a team, you know, and it's like, if I get a new pen that comes in, I'll link it up, try it out. And then I'll pass it around to the team be like, here, buddy, you guys try this and get to know it a little bit. And so it just really helps a lot in terms of our depth of product knowledge and experience. Um, and then, which of course enhances a customer experience in the end. That's awesome. Yeah, it's it's uh, one of the things I admire about it is just staying consistent with that as your uh, business scales, which I don't I, I can't imagine is a is an easy task. Um, no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> so let's 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 go back a little bit. So you you mentioned it um, starting that the pen business. It sort of was a, uh, an organic transition. You know, it just mm -hmm. started as a hobby that turned into a passion. Now, looking back, what were um, and th this is it might be a little bit of a cookie cutter question, but what what were some of the challenges that you didn't expect to see? Oh my gosh! You know what I caught mean, you off guard? Because I geez, think everyone, everything, <laughs> right? Everyone listening thinks, oh, it's just you know, you just get your capital together and you start doing this and that, and you and you have a YouTube channel, but that none of those things are easy and. You know, there's a lot of uh, a lot of things that sort of throw you off track there. Yeah, I mean, in the earliest days, when you're still trying to figure it out, you got the little side hustle, you got different potential things, but there's a big there's a big leap to go from, hey, I got this little thing on the side to this is going to be my primary source of income. I'm going to go all in on this. There was a big transition, a big leap that we had to do to make that happen, and it took us a while. I mean, I I invested three years of mm -hmm. hardcore passion, interest, devotion to crafting my own pens. I don't make a single pen anymore. I had to completely transition the business because it just wasn't a sustainable thing for me to keep doing. So, you know, I'm a big fan of like Seth Godin and Gary Vaynerchuk and those kind of folks, which some of your audience may know those names. Mm -hmm. But Seth Godin wrote a book called The Dip, and he has this concept in there that's like 
you know, you got to work through this really hard, really low part to kind of come out through the other side to have your business be viable. But there's this concept in there he calls a cul-de-sac where sometimes you get into this low part of the dip and it's you're there because it's just not a good idea. And it's something that you do for a while, but eventually you just need to decide it's not going to work and you need to quit and focus on something that will. That's exactly what I experienced with my pen making. You know, once I got into the fountain pen community, I realized what they wanted, the types of pens, the craftsmanship, the way that I had to make them. It was too much time, too much labor. I couldn't get a return on that. And it wasn't where the opportunity was for me. So even though I devoted three years of my life, my passion to it, um, and never got paid for that, I volunteered my time for three full years, um, you know, it never paid off for me. And I had to immediately sever and quit that. And once I found something that was working, the retailing side of things, I was selling ink and paper and other, other paraphernalia that fountain pen users did want, um, I had to completely give up that initial passion that I had and transition my passion into something else, which in the moment was a very difficult decision. But part of what motivated me to do that is my wife was seven months pregnant at the time. Mm. And so <laughs> and with our first child and we had right. a mortgage and we had all these things. And, um, you know, I was, I was trying to make it work. I could see there was just a little bit of traction. I mean, I'm literally talking, we were selling like two or $3,000 of gross revenue per month of pen stuff at that time, which is not enough to live on by the way. Mm -hmm. Um, so, uh, at that time it was a big risk and, you know, my wife, Rachel, she, she was planning on going back to work after we had our child, but she just decided that she didn't want to do that. So we had just a little bit of money saved up and I basically laid out and said, okay, if we're going to do this pen thing full time and both of us go all in on it, we've got X number of months to make it happen to get to these sales. Otherwise, this is not going to work, and I'm going to have to go and get a desk job. Mm -hmm. So I was pretty friggin' motivated. Like, I thought I knew how to work before that, but once my son was born and once my wife quit and we were going all in on the business, you know, it was just – 100% focus. I mean, literally working 18 to 20 hour days. I blogged every single day for seven months straight when I was starting the blog just to gain traction on it. I didn't know anything about photography, but I taught myself everything. Didn't have a clue about video, taught myself everything. Didn't know a single thing about fountain pens, taught myself everything. I had to do all of that at the same time, in addition to learning the accounting, the taxes, the shipping and logistics, because we run the fulfillment operation as well. We ship everything ourselves. You know, so we were trying to, we literally had to build everything from the ground up. So, um, but the thing is though, after, after trying so many different things with the pen making side of things and some other various things that I won't even mention that we tried that, that you, once you figure out something that actually starts to work a little bit and starts to gain some traction and you shift your focus a hundred percent in that direction, it's amazing how motivated you get. <laughs> you see like, Oh, I'll go to this thing or I'll, I'll do this idea and it'll actually start to work a little bit instead of, you know, when the earliest days it was like, Oh yeah, maybe we could go to this event and, and we set it up and it's a complete flop and nobody likes our product and nobody buys it. And you know, we're in the hole from the booth fees and stuff at whatever trade show. And it's like, dang it, you, know, you do that over and over again and you just realize you're getting no traction. Once you finally hit a vein of gold and you realize there's something there, you just get so laser focused into doing that. And it's going to be different for everybody. So I think to kind of get back to your question, one of the hardest things I found initially mm -hmm. was finding what it was 
was that was going to gain traction in the first place. And it was, it was very different from what I envisioned that it was going to be when I first, first started. Cause I, again, I started with the woodworking and I thought it was going to be this craftsmanship and making pens. And I thought it was going to be a manufacturer. Um, it ended up being a completely different focus for me now as a retailer selling other people's goods. But because I had the manufacturing kind of knowledge and background and interest, I'm able to totally geek out on the way things are made, why right. they're a good value, why they write well. So I can get really deep and technical and nerdy into the products themselves. But yet my focus is retailing and education and promotion and customer service. So that's where my vein ended up uh, really starting to grow and thrive because that's where there's an opportunity in the marketplace. That's ultimately where my skill set actually has blossomed uh, quite a bit. But I never would have gotten here had I not gone through that that other route in the first place. Hmm. And uh, I, I love, so you mentioned uh, Seth Godin's uh, The Dip. So um, I imagine that's not an a easy thing for anyone to do, which is, uh, you know, just learning when to quit. Because especially as an entrepreneur, when you've put in a lot of hours, a lot of nights, a lot of weekends into something, and you start to get maybe stubborn, right? Oh, yeah. Which is a, a common uh, mistake that uh, a lot of us do. Now, um, Brian, I saw that your uh, your background was in real estate. Yeah, my my degree. Um, I went to Virginia Tech and got a degree in property management. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, managing apartments and commercial real estate and stuff like that. And got my real estate license right out of school. Mm-hmm. Granted, this was in two thousand and six, right? At right. the absolute peak of the market, uh-huh. and I got my real estate license and I did a couple deals and I just looked around and I was like, "This is going to be a bloodbath soon." <laughs> I could tell there was a huge bubble that was about to burst. You know, I'm a smart guy, but it's like I knew that I didn't have a lot of experience. I didn't have a big clientele to fall back on. I knew that I was going to be one of the first ones to really get hit terribly when this thing all came crashing down. Right. So um, I got kind of a, a name your own price offer from a local uh, commercial real estate firm to do commercial management and stuff like that. And, you know, it involves traveling a lot and involves wearing a suit every day. And that's just really not my style. So right. I just, it, it, I sounds, it, I was, it sounds cool when you're a kid, but once you put that suit on. Yeah. Uh-uh. <laughs> it's just not. Yeah, it's not as glamorous as you think. And I right. was like, man, I can tell what's going to happen. I'm going to graduate here. They're going to put me. This thing is going to start to go down. I'm either going to get taken down with it or I'm going to get my workload is going to increase threefold when this thing really starts to go crazy. I was like, this just really isn't where I want to be when this thing all goes down. So um, the opportunity that happened for me, and this is going to sound crazy, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, my dad had started a uh, house power washing company hmm. uh, my senior year of college, and I would kind of helped him build it. That's actually how I paid my way through school was doing, you know, power washing and painting and Mr. Fix-It kind of stuff. I've always been kind of a handy guy. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how I paid my way through school. And so my dad actually started to, he left the corporate world. He was like an IT director for a print company. And he left that to go power wash houses. And I had this opportunity graduating to either, you know, go into this like really kind of corporatized commercial real estate thing and do that and watch everything, which ultimately ended up getting hit pretty hard, you know, with 2007, 2008 and sure. the real estate crash. Uh, I had the opportunity to go that route or I had the opportunity to basically leave all that behind and go and power wash houses with my dad and kind of do a little bit of the entrepreneurial thing, though, you know, I didn't have to start it all from the ground up because he got the ball rolling and he's he's started a couple of different businesses in his life. So, you know, that's kind of where I get some of my vibe from. But, you know, the opportunity just to, to start that, have that experience 
uh, of doing my own thing a little bit and also just to work with my dad because I love my dad. We have we've been very close my whole life. Um, I just saw that as an opportunity that I would never get again in my life. And, you know, it turns out that's been the case so far. So um, gave me a great experience. I did that for a couple of years. And that's where I had the side hustle of doing the pen making thing. So mm. ultimately, because I was doing the power washing thing, this was seasonal business. I was then able to start the pen making thing, which ultimately led me to the fountain pens, which has kind of led me where I am. So I've had a very windy path. And maybe that's the message to be heard out of this for your audiences that, you know, you, you sometimes have this genius idea of, oh my gosh, I need to do this one thing. Mm -hmm. But if you hold that one thing as ultimately, this is the thing that has to happen. Sometimes it works out like that, but I think more often than not, it's really a, a winding path of that thing might lead you to some other opportunity, which leads you to some other thing, which leads you to some other thing, which ultimately is where you really need to be. So I found advantage in being very exploratory and pursuing things that seemed like, you know, really great ideas. And, and for me, I've been very street smart, like academically, eh, I'm okay. Like I do okay in school, but like I've always been a little more street smart than book smart. So for me, when I see opportunities like that, it's more of, hey, you know what, this is a better opportunity than what I'm pursuing right now. Let me go after this. And uh, th that's always a balance to be had. You know, you mentioned you can sometimes be stubborn and stuff like that. Like you need to be sort of stubborn, especially if you're an entrepreneur and you're trying to do something. If you do something and it's like two or three months and you're like, ah, oh, this is never going to work. This is taking forever. Like you got to have more patience than that. Right. Like I mentioned, I, I did my thing for three years before, you know, three years is a good amount of time. If it's mm -hmm. not working after three years of, of busting it, then, you know, you maybe want to consider some other options. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think more people have a lack of patience than they do have a lack of fortitude. So um, I think that's uh, that's an important thing, to, a message to be received. So it's a it's a balancing out that flexibility and that agility with the patience. Yeah, maybe, I, I mean, maybe for all our small business uh, uh, people out there aspiring to start something, it sounds like uh, maybe they need the Leutsch term, some lines a day, five-year notebook. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, why not? That's, hey, a newer, I, that's, a, that's a newer notebook that just came out, and I've, I've got one on May 17th. I've been writing it ever since. And, you know, I got to say that, uh, you know, I've written with a lot of different notebooks. What's cool about that one is it literally only gives you like a fifth of a page to write what's happening every day. Mm -hmm. So me, I'm a very verbose individual. Mm -hmm. You know, you ask me one question, I'll talk mm -hmm. forever unless I cut myself off. Right. So um, with something like a notebook, if I start a daily journal, I'll write like 10 pages and exhaust myself. And then the next day, I won't even want to pick it up because I know I'm just going to write so much. So for me, actually having that restriction and having that, mm -hmm. um, you know, constraint actually helps me in being able to actually achieve it every day. Right. Um, <clears throat> the the challenge for me would be sticking to it. You're <laughs> looking at all those empty right. opportunities for all our listeners out there. It's um, it's a it's a great. Um, so Leuchtturm is sort of the the better, my, in my opinion, and the, it's the better version of Moleskin as far as 100%, 100%, you have the yeah. colors and all of that. But you also get the paper quality. You can actually use a fountain yeah. pen on there, unlike yeah. other brands where it just uh, sinks right through. But it's well, Moleskin, Moleskin used to be higher quality, you know, probably seven, 10 years ago, but right. they expanded and they grew so rapidly that mm -hmm. they had to source out different types of paper. So for most pens and pencils and stuff like that, it's not a huge deal, but especially like I'm in the fountain pen community, the fountain pen ink is wetter. It's, it's more liquid. Mm -hmm. So it will bleed through bad paper. And Moleskin is like universally just not a great notebook for fountain pen users. So anybody who gets into fountain pens, right. A, a brand like Leuchtturm is like a hands-down win. Uh, yeah, it's 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 awesome. This uh, this notebook it's 365 pages. Um, 
you have on each page, you have uh, just enough space for a few lines for, um, f is it five years on each page for five that years. same day? Five years, yeah. So if you're, for all of you out there with a five-year plan, just, you know, it, it helps to sort of <laughs> see uh, if, you're, if your uh, money is where your mouth is. Uh, <laughs> okay, so of course, you know, I did a little bit of homework. So you guys at the Goulet Pen Company, one of the things you say as far as your purpose as a company is uh, sort of promoting the fountain pen community. Sure. Right? Now, was was this something that you always sort of set out to do? Or is, is this uh, one a purpose as far as, uh, well, as well as like other things that you guys are, uh, that keep you going, you know, get, help you get up in the morning? Yeah, I mean, for me, the whole community aspect of it, like I mentioned before, you know, I was selling gift pens to kind of the corporate, you know, corporate gift crowd, and there mm -hmm. really is no community there. It's right. kind of a commodity. It's kind of a commoditized thing, you know. It's like you're you're competing with companies that sell acrylic plaques, <laughs> and you know that kind of stuff. It's like who really gets inspired by that, you know? So I was having a cold call and just sell, you know, no repeat business hardly in that industry. And uh, so when I f was looking around, I knew that I was looking for a community of people who were enthusiastic about something. That's what, when I went to that pen show in, two, in 2009 and I saw the people that were into fountain pens, I was like, oh my gosh, this is the passion. This is the community. This is the group, you know, around this, what is really a, a very niche community. I said, this is what's been missing the whole time. I didn't really know that that's what was missing, but as soon as I saw it and as soon as I saw that community, I was like, whoa, this is powerful. And um, there's communities like that all over the place. You know, there's niche communities around wet shaving and there's niche communities around like everyday carry items like pocket knives sure, sure. and pipe pipes and, and cigar, beard oil you know, just, and, and pipes oh, and all sorts absolutely. of things. Craft beer, you name right. it, knitting. Spinners like now. There's, <laughs> right? Exactly. So, you know, there's, there's niche communities around these types of things. They congregate in little corners of the internet, right? And for those who are deeply involved in it, there's a lingo around it. There's a lifestyle around it. And so when you really get into it and you're authentic about it, that becomes a really powerful part of that community. And for me, I, I feel like I kind of plugged into a community that was already there. And so as I was learning about fountain pens, I had such an appreciation for the support and all the people that were sharing information with me, teaching me things, the bloggers, the different forums and things like that. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. I want to share back out and contribute to this as well. And so that was my motivation. It wasn't initially, it wasn't just a financial thing. It wasn't like, oh yeah, I could grow this huge company out of this. My ultimate goal was to just draw a paycheck, you mm -hmm. know, and maybe have my wife work at home at, at well, you know, that was really my ultimate dream, you know, maybe raise my kids in the business and that, that could be my thing. I never even thought of like hiring people or anything like that in the beginning, you know, so I saw this community and I saw as I was learning from them, I would kind of take that information, package it together into a blog or into a video or something the way that I thought I would have wanted to, to receive it. You know, so it's like I'm grabbing little bits and pieces of information throughout different forums and the Internet. And, you know, as a retailer, I would then try to verify information and get official information from manufacturers and distributors and things like that put it together into a really nice packaged piece of education and then put it back mm. out there into the community. And the loyalty that that built in the community was unbelievable, you know, and it was from a, from a, 
business standpoint, it was very smart because we had basically no money at the time. And being in an inventory-based business, you need some kind of capital to build your inventory, you know, and we didn't have venture capital. I didn't have, you know, a huge loan or anything like that. I had a couple thousand dollars. And, and so I had, <laughs> I knew that whatever products I bought, I immediately had to turn around and sell them. So what went through my mind was, well, I'm only going to buy things that I know people want to buy because I'm not going to buy on spec and kind of shotgun it and hope that it sells and then blow it out at, a, at, at cost if it doesn't. I didn't have time for that mess. So I would talk with the community, be like, hey, you know, what kind of products do you guys want? What can't you find? What do you, what do you really like? People would tell me. I would source it out. I would then learn as much as I could about that product, put it into mm. together, together into a piece of information, education, share it back out to them and say, hey, I've heard that you really want whatever, this Lloyd's notebook. I've learned about it. Here's why it's so great. And now I have it available and people would freak out and they would love it. They would appreciate the education and the engagement in the community. And then they would feel incredibly loyal because I have empowered them with that education and that information. And then they would come and buy from my store. And then once they did that, they would have an amazing customer service experience, very high touch experience. And they would feel like they're really a part of that community. And so I would do that, and then I would do that again and again and again. The next product, the pen, the ink, the notebook, the paper, you know, everything. And, and that's how I built it over the last seven and a half, eight years is just kind of repeating and repeating and repeating that. Now that I have a team, we have more people that are kind of doing that, engaging with the community, learning about products, you know, and I'm spending more of my time, of course, on the education piece and doing stuff like this, but also getting more in touch with manufacturers and distributors and having more influence over, okay, here's, here's what the community wants. Here's how you guys need to be designing products products? Can we collaborate? Can we design something together? The, you know, mentioned Noodler's Liberty's Elysium. That was an ink that I collaborated with the founder of Noodler's Inc. and said, hey, right. I, I really want a permanent blue. This is shade, da, 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 da. The customers want it. And here's the theme. I want it to be a Patrick Henry theme because I'm from, you know, Patrick Henry's birthplace and all this kind of stuff. So I really want this kind of theme. And so we put that together and lo and behold, Noodler's Elysium was created. So that's an example of like when you really engage with your community and you become authentically in touch with what they want, you can then pass that information to manufacturers and actually influence the products that they make to then give it to customers. And I tell you, when that happens, hmm. the manufacturers love it because you're really in touch with them. So they really appreciate that. You benefit because you're getting products that you know customers are going to want. And the customers win because they're being heard and they're getting products that are like exactly what they're looking for. So it's everybody wins. It's just a boatload of work. That's all. <laughs> Right, but but at the same time, I mean, like if you look at the YouTube channel, for example, that's uh, you're engaging with the, with the pre-existing community, but you're making it easy for people to come into that community who maybe it's their first time. Like I said, uh, the top five fountain pens for beginners, yeah. um, and there's you make a lot of information really easy to. Um, it's just easy to easy to find uh, now yeah. as as. If we go back to sort of the the team growing, so now you're uh, you said you guys are at 40, 41 people, mm -hmm. right, right. So, so throughout your journey, how have you? Um, we we like to talk a lot about hiring the right people. You know, finding mm -hmm. people who uh, sort of um, they have the same passion or the, the, for small business or or pens or ink or sales, um, and I imagine. You know, there there might be a little bit of um, trial and error, but how? What's <laughs> yeah. what's your tip for the small business owner who wants to find the right people so they can help build something together? 
Absolutely. I would say, you know, it's important to know your business. It's important to know your customers and your product and how to run a business. Um, but in the long run, the if you want to grow, the number one most important thing is hiring the right people and leading them well. I mean, there's no question about that. If you get that part wrong or don't prioritize that, your entire business is going to be a struggle. Because when it all boils down to it, it doesn't matter what business, what industry you're in, business is all about people. Whether it's a product business, whether it's a service business, it all comes back to people. Even me, I'm in a heavy product-based business, right? Like it's all products. I buy products, I sell products. That's how I make my money. It's my bread and butter. However, how I present myself to the world, to my customers, very people relationship-based. I have a team of 41 people. I am seldom talking to customers one-on-one in their purchasing experience. It's all my team, how they're educated, how they're trained. All of that is done intentionally based on a core set of values that we have, based on screening criteria of people that we allow to come into our little family here, and based on how we lead them and grow and teach them about the products, about our customers, about service. All of that has to be done very intentionally, just like you would manage your finances well in your business, just like you would do your coding well or that you would build your UX well. All of that has to be done intentionally. And how you manage and hire people is so important, probably even more so than all the rest of that, because it is going to amplify and multiply as you grow. So if I hire someone that's really self-interested and they don't really care about what the company is doing and they're seeking out for themselves, that is going to have a multiplying effect throughout the whole company. And if I allow that into the building and then that gets multiplied out and other people say, oh, if it's okay to act like that, then that's what I'm going to do too. Then all of a Mm -hmm. sudden I'm running around herding cats every day if I don't have a unified purpose and people that are all working as a team together, right? So right. I spend I spend a lot of my time, a lot of my time, more than people probably realize, on leadership, clarity of our purpose, consistency of our messaging within our team. You know, we have mm-hmm. a company meeting every single week. I, um, you know, have a lot of meetings with my leadership team. I have a lot of time that I spend researching and reading and talking to other leaders and things about how they do stuff. I've read, oh my gosh, I'm a big reader. So I've read, you know, Mm -hmm. I mentioned Seth Godin, but I've read over a hundred different business books and leadership books in the last three years because I've needed to gain that information as our company has grown and what I lack in experience, I have made up for with just sheer brute force uh, knowledge that I've crammed into my head. So um, if, if it's not something that sinks in with you as an incredibly important part of your business, you're going to have struggles very quickly because the amount of times that you'll get lucky hiring the right number of people uh, is is going to pale in comparison to the amount of times you're going to get unlucky. So you, you have to be really, really intentional about what you're trying to grow, who you want, who you are. Right. And who you're looking and, for. Exactly. It's really a matter mm-hmm. of fit. You know, it's like there's there's different people everywhere. There's different companies everywhere. And, you know, having a diverse team of people is really good, but they have to be unified towards a singular purpose. So in the early days, if you can spend your time clarifying even what the heck your business's purpose is, you're already mm-hmm. ahead of the pack. And even if you just have that clarified for yourself, then other people can get on board with that. And you can use that as a screening criteria, if nothing else. 
And then as you learn and grow and get more experience, you'll, you know, even if you can keep yourself from making fatal errors that put your business out of business, then you can mm-hmm. learn from, you're going to have a lot of hard knocks when it comes to hiring people and bringing people on board and leadership and stuff like that. That is an entire skill set in and of itself, which I spend, I'm not joking, I spend probably 95% of my time in that space. Hmm. And then the other 5% right. of my time, I'm playing with pens. You know, it's like, it was <laughs> it was very disproportionate. In the early days, it was the opposite of that because it was just me and my wife. I just had to make sure that we were aligned. Now that I have 40 people, 41 people and I'm, I'm leading, it's completely flipped the other way. And I think that that's a a very good use of my time that way. That's awesome. And um, all right. And now, so uh, Brian, where, where can people find you? Well, um, I'm on the internet. If you search for fountain pens, you'll probably find me. But specifically, <laughs> specifically, gulepens.com is my website um, where I, you know, sell fountain pen related products. Um, but also, I have a YouTube channel. You know, it's just the Goulet Pen Company on YouTube. Um, we're Goulet Pens on Instagram, really big on Instagram. Um, we're on Facebook, Twitter as well. If you just search for Goulet, pretty much, you're going to find us uh, in all these various places that we are. Right. And, and uh, for our listeners, it's G-O-U-L-E-T. Brian, right. thank you so much uh, for sitting down with us this morning. Oh, absolutely, Kareem. I really appreciate it. And hopefully uh, your listeners have been able to gain a little bit of something from this. The, the thing I want to leave off is that, um, you know, I, I'm a, I've been very influenced by Gary Vaynerchuk. He's a great uh, guy to follow if you want to really get inspired, especially in those times when you're tired and you just need a little kick in the pants. Um, he's a really good guy uh, to listen to. Um, but uh, the biggest thing, you know, and I, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention him because his book, Crush It, really mm-hmm. is what, what kicked me in the butt to start doing video stuff. And that was just, it opened my eyes to doing that, which has completely changed my business. Um, and the biggest thing that he had in there was really, if you do nothing else, just care. If you just care right. about what you do and you have a passion for it, that's going to just wash over so many of the other mistakes that you're going to make. So if you're not like 100% thrilled, enthusiastic, in love with what you're doing, you're not going to have the energy to make it over the hurdle or to make it through the dip. So if you're in a slog or you're not really happy, if you're not being true to yourself about what you're Mm -hmm. really happy doing, there's no way you're going to make it. You're going to fake it. And so um, that's, you got to, you got to tap into that. And then, uh, it'll be cool to see uh, what'll happen after that. Right, because people, people, they can eventually they can spot the faker. Oh yeah, you know, oh, and sp- especially right if you're trying to recommend certain products, you, you need your 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 people to trust you, so they can listen to your recommendation. Otherwise, I mean, you know, what's the point? That's exactly right. And if you end up going down the route like I did, it's not for everybody, you know, putting yourself out there and being really kind of the face of your business or being the face in kind of your industry, like, you know, kind of being an influencer in that space. That's not for everybody. But if you do end up going that route, you have to be authentic. You cannot fake it or you are just going to get spotted and called out left and right. So, um, (laughs) and it's just going to be exhausting for you. So tap into who you are, tap into what you know you do well and you may not have massive like Facebook and, and Instagram type success, but you can have what you define as for yourself success, which can look like a lot of different things. But um, for many people, I think it's it's more accessible than you might think. That's awesome. And are, are you guys still sending out uh, Tootsie Pops with every order? Yes, we are. 
All right. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> the, backstory, <laughs> the backstory on that, and I'll just leave on a, on a happy note here. i got a couple of minutes yeah. before my next meeting here. So, um, you know, the story with the uh, Tootsie Pops, we include a Tootsie Pop with every single order. Part of that is because we pack very, very diligent and diligently and intentionally with, with stretch wrap and bubble wrap and stuff like that because you'd be amazed some of the stories we hear about packages being left out in the rain for three days or getting run over by a mail truck or whatever. Um, right, crazy especially st- when you're shipping glass bottles of ink. <laughs> glass bottles of ink, pads right. of paper that could get dent or wet or whatever and really expensive mm-hmm. pens. So right. it's just like a it's like a ticking time bomb every single package. <laughs> um, so we pack really, really intentionally. Um, and then uh, so it takes a little bit of time to unwrap our packages. So we've thought of putting a little treat on the outside of the rack wrapping. That way you can enjoy something as you're unwrapping your little gift that you get from us. Um, but the reason it's a Tootsie Pop specifically is because um, that was one of the candies that my dad really enjoyed. And when I was a young, young kid, I would take money that I would save up from mowing the lawn or what, you know, just doing little odd jobs. And I would uh, go to like the dollar store and buy, you know, a, a bundle of Tootsie Pops. And that's just something that stuck out in my brain is my dad, he would always just kind of light up whenever I, as my little five or six year old self would think of my dad and buy him Tootsie Pops. So I have a very positive association with that particular candy. Um, and it just works really well. So in a way, it's kind of like I'm giving a gift to each of our customers that purchase from us too. And it's just a really kind of a cool little personal personal thing for me. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. The it's you know the fountain pen uh, sort of community has been for me. It's been a sort of a father and son experience too. You know, I grew up with my dad just bringing in all these weird fancy looking pens as a kid and now we're we're both watching your videos (laughs) so thank you for that that's awesome i'm glad to hear it all right awesome brian thanks again for sitting down with us and uh guys you've been listening to brian goulet of the goulet pen company that's right and as i like to say right on (laughs) literally i had no idea there was that much to talk about with pens I used to have a fountain pen back when I was in art school. I think I might dig that out or maybe buy one from the Goulet Pen Company. Check them out. In fact, go to their YouTube page right now, the Goulet Pen Company on YouTube, where they have hundreds of thousands of views and check out all that stuff that Brian and Kareem talked about. So excited to continue the conversation and talk to all these great entrepreneurs. In fact, if you're a podcast kind of entrepreneur, you should check out Blueberry.com. That's Blueberry, B-L-U-B-R-R-Y.com. And use Entrepreneurs as your own personal promo code and save a month's worth of fees uh, for either statistics or podcasting. So thank you so much to Kareem and Brian Goulet and the Goulet Pen Company. Until next time, Entrepreneurs, this has been Daniel the Retailer, and he's Kareem, and this is Entrepreneurs Podcast.